Good morning, church family. So good to see everybody this morning. How's everybody feeling today? You awake? Y'all ready to praise the Lord with us? All right, who knows God is good in this room today? Lord, we love you. You are so good to us, and we magnify you today, God. We glorify your name. Come on and lead us today, Lindsay.
that a yes. testimony of yours today? Well, wait a minute. There was only two or three that only felt two? that way. Okay. Come on. Come on if that was your testimony of God doing great things Amen. in your life, come yes. on. If he's been good to you, yes. we Amen. need to thank him for it. Amen. Thank you. So good to see you guys this morning. You look great. It's a great day yeah. to be in the house of the Lord. Sundays are my actually my favorite day of the week. Yeah, me too. It's great to see you guys. You can be seated for just a moment. Then we're going to go back into worship. So glad that you're here. We want to welcome those who are joining with us online. Let's give it up for them, Dothan First. Those yeah. who are joining online, give us a shout out and let us know where you're watching from want to say to those who are maybe this is your very first time today or we haven't had a chance to meet you out in the lobby we want to ask you to do us this favor there is a connection card in the seat pocket right in front of you if you can fill that out for us hang on to it and then after service exchange it for a gift there will be Mark and I and some of our leaders out in the lobby to meet you and greet you. We're not going to take a lot of your time, but we just want to connect with you. Yeah, and I want to tell you, for those that are here again for the first time, welcome. We're so glad and so honored that you chose to worship God with us here today. Uh, I hope this isn't your, your last time, but if you're visiting family or friends just coming through town, that's great. I hope it's a great day for you. But uh, if you're in the area, we would love to uh, have you call this church your church home. We'd be so honored to be your pastors. And uh, for those online watching us for the first time, welcome as well. And we would love to be able to connect with you as well through D1 Text. If you don't uh, have the, the Connect card, you could use this electronic version by D1, texting D1 Text to the number 84576 or using the QR code and that'll send you an electronic link. And listen, if you want to get connected to us through prayer, if you, need a, uh, if you have a, a prayer request, or you want to share just a testimony, a praise report of the things that God's done, we want to know about that. And you can do that online as well as just writing it out on the Connect card in front of you. You can sign up for our Grow Track. That's the way to get connected through membership and ministry here at Dothan First. If you'd like to connect with us in the way of baptism, which in a few moments, we're going to be celebrating a baptism today. Uh, but if you'd like to be baptized, we'd be so honored to celebrate with you. Or, if you. or if you have a child or children that you'd like dedicated to the Lord, again, that's a time of celebration around here, a family time. We love to do that. We'd be so honored to be able to do that. Well, listen, uh, I want to let you know that this last Wednesday, we had an yes, amazing awesome. time of worship so powerful you can watch that online if you happen to have missed it uh, but I did mention this coming Wednesday uh, I mentioned it that we would be down in the Family Life Center actually we'll be right here in the sanctuary as we do a, a youth first showcase and our young people are uh, going to be sharing the Word of God they're going to be uh, showcasing their talents that they're going to be bringing to the National Fine Arts Festival they are representing all of you, and That's we right. are so yes. thankful That's for right. our young people. Come on, give it yes. up for them. So proud. We want to come out and support them. That's right. I mean, we'll have our girls' ministry, our boys' ministry, and our kids' church junior for those who are preschool and under, but the youth and the adults will be in here, and I am telling you guys, you're going to be blown away with some of the things that they are ministering at Fine Arts, and just, just to show, like you said, your support for our young people as they get ready to go to Orlando the following week 
to um, perform, and I'll say perform, but really their ministry, sure, their, ministry. their ministry that God has put on them from a short sermon to a human video to um, what is it called? I've got the that uh, spoken word, spoken word. We've got <laughs> we've got many of them. So just come on out at 6:30 here in the sanctuary this Wednesday night to support our students. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. And listen, I also want to just say thank you to each and every one of you as you come faithfully to the house of the Lord. I believe God's going to release blessing on you and favor on you. But being in the house of the Lord gives you an opportunity to celebrate when other people are, uh, are doing great things. And we celebrate our young people, our kids' ministry. Our kids went to camp. Our youth ministry went to our camp. Guys. Our girls' ministry went to camp. Uh, they all, each one of them, had amazing things that God has done in their life. And I thank you for celebrating yes. them and giving to help those who can't, couldn't afford to go, that you've helped them to go. And thank you so much for that. Well, listen, I want you to celebrate with our baptismal candidate yeah. today. Uh, we're so excited and grateful and honored to be able to baptize in this house. Come on, can you give it up right now? We're so excited about it. Good morning, Dothan First Family. We thank you for joining us today, whether in person or online. And we continue our worship through baptism. And uh, we're so excited that we get to partner with one of our family members, as I say every time that we get to do this, because it's important. And uh, baptism is an outward confession of an inward commitment that this person has said, I've given my life to Jesus and I want to go public with my faith. And uh, Matthew 28, 19 says this, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So today we're participating in our commitment to the Great Commission, to fulfill the Great Commission. And we celebrate baptism in three ways, through death, burial, and resurrection. So this morning, can y'all give it up for Jonathan Harris? Uh, this morning, Jonathan told me he had a few words he wanted to share with his church family. I just want to take this time. God has done so much. I told my wife I wasn't going to get emotional, but it's kind of hard to not do that, <laughs> especially when you're overwhelmed with God's glory. Um, he's done so much for me. And, and I pray that there's anybody out there that's on the fence with God, that's trying to decide which way to go, choose Jesus. Because yeah, I promise you, it's worth it in the end. That's good. Well, Jonathan, that was great. So two questions for you. Do you love Jesus with all your heart? I do. Will you promise to serve him for the rest of your life? For the rest of my life, awesome. I will. All right. Upon your confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah! <laughs> so proud of you, man. This is awesome. I love it. Don't you love it when God's doing great things in the house? And we just celebrate the goodness of God in those that have maybe taken steps, intentional steps of faith. And we want you to know if, if you are walking through steps of faith, and maybe they've been difficult steps, maybe you just made a decision to follow Christ, we want to help you in your journey of faith. And maybe for some of you, you took a, a unique step of faith to step out on God's word for a particular promise in God's word. We want to help you in that journey in prayer. 
But I, I also want you to know the significance of the step is also that others come around you and support you and encourage you. And you know, social media is a great way to be able to reach out beyond your, your sphere of influence and connect them to the service right now. Matter of fact, you can take out your smartphone and just, you know, uh, share or like the posts that we have or follow us on social media to let your friends and family and relatives and people in your sphere of influence be encouraged in their faith and uh, to let them know that there's others just like them that are walking through the spiritual journey and they need help every step of the way. We all need help and encouragement. And that's what we try to do on our social media pages is to encourage you and challenge you and support you in that journey. Well, listen, friends, it's offering time. We get to give unto the Lord. How many grateful God's blessed you? Come on, he's been good to you. He's been faithful to you. Amen. I wanna take a moment and pray over our time of giving, but as I do, I'll remind you that we're not gonna pass the plate, but you can see the five different ways to give up on the screen. And of course, if you are giving cash or a check, you can use the giving envelopes if you like giving credit and they're in the seat pocket in front of you and then just worship on the way out at our giving boxes or the giving kiosk. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the opportunity that we get to know you better and receive your word. Now, God, I pray a strategic blessing overtake each one here today. And especially as we give unto you, Lord, when we give, we represent you because you're a giver. And you said in your word that we cannot outgive you. So God, I thank you that as we give of what belongs to you, your tithe, and then our offerings that go above and beyond as a spirit of generosity. Lord, I just pray that, Lord, you would come in and do exceedingly abundantly above what we could ever, beyond what we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And I speak strategic blessing over these, your people, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, God bless you as you give. Hey, listen, today we're going back into this series, and it's a how-to series dealing with difficult questions. And today we're going to be talking about uh, dealing with some difficult people. Now, I'm not going to have you raise your hand to ask you how many are dealing with some difficult people right now, uh, because they might be seated right next to you or on your same row. I won't do that to you. But we've all had moments where we deal with difficult people. And we need to learn how to lead with grace. So if you turn your attention to the screens, we're gonna go into this series called How To. ready for the Word of God today? Come on. Uh, those online, can you give it up for those watching online? Come on. We, we love you. 
So glad that you chose to worship God with us. And um, go ahead, grab your copy of God's Word. And if you don't have a Bible, please let us know. We will be so glad to get God's promises into your hand free of charge. We just want to make sure that you have a Bible. Uh, but if you want to follow along with us today, as always, we have our notes on the YouVersion app of the Bible. So if you don't have that, you can download that and then just search under Events. And under those events, you'll see uh, Dothan first and then our sermon notes available for you. All right, go ahead and would you do this? Would you repeat after me? Say, I am what God's word says I am. I can do what God's word said I can do. And I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, and I'll obey God's word. Because I love his word. Now just turn to your neighbor and give them some kind of encouragement. Just let them know you care about them or they look good or smile at them and introduce yourself. Whatever is appropriate. Hey, today we are going to talk about how to deal with difficult people. Specifically, we're going to talk about leading with grace. Leading with grace. And... Um, I heard a story one time, and you know it's going to be a setup for a joke, so, and it is a bit of a groaner, but that's okay. I heard a story about this couple, and this man named Bubba, Bubba had uh, this stray dog that just showed up at his house one day, and, and, and Bubba kind of liked the dog, to be honest, but his wife did not, and as often couples do, there was a little bit of a disagreement, and... Um, Bubba's wife had had enough because this dog was tearing up the house, eating everything in sight, uh, nosing through the trash all the time, leaving stuff everywhere, leaving little special presents inside the house. <laughs> and she had just had enough. She said, you know what, take that dog out to the country. That's where that dog should live. Take that dog out to the country. Finally, Bubba, sadly, brought that, put the dog in the car, brought it out uh, about, you know, 20 minutes away. And just left it out in the country, which is not a good thing to do, but left it out in the country and drove back as soon as he pulls up in the driveway. Just a few minutes later, the dog shows up. He's like, man, I love this dog. This dog's loyal to me. But his wife was fit to be tied. I said, take that dog out to the country and leave that dog out there. So sure enough, he drove out went another 20 minutes in the other direction, left that dog out in the country, got back just a few moments later, the dog, here's the dog, shows right back up again. Finally, the wife said, listen, I'm telling you, I don't care what you got to do, blindfold the dog, mix that dog up in his directions. You go and make sure that dog doesn't come back. I mean, he drove like an hour away. He drove an hour away, crisscrossing streets, trying to confuse the dog, doing whatever he could, drops off the dog in the country, and about two hours goes by, and his wife gets a little nervous, gets a little worried. She hadn't seen Bubba in a little bit. Sure enough, she gets a phone call. There he is, Bubba is on the phone. He says, well, Bubba, what's the problem with you? How come you're not home? It's been two hours. She, he said, well, is that, did that dog make it home? He said, yeah, sure enough, the dog's here, but you're not. He said, could you put the dog on the phone? I'm so lost. I need directions from the dog how to get home. How many of you know we all need some direction in life? But God has not just called us to follow. He's called us to lead. He's, been, he's called us to be loyal 
to his instruction and that no matter how far we stray, that we ought to come back home and use God's word as the map to get us home. And in calling us to not just follow but to lead, I want to go through the book of Acts and give you a picture of what happened in the New Testament church. Turn to Acts chapter 6, if you would, please. And um, Acts chapter 6 outlines some things, and we're going to, in a minute, I'm going to read verses 3 through 5, but I want to start with a passage that is not in your notes. I'm going to go ahead and just read it to you, because how many know, just because you're in church and because you love God does not mean everything's going to be perfect. As a matter of fact, this is not a perfect church because I'm here, (laughs) and I'm not perfect, and if that's not bad enough... You're here, (laughs) and that messed everything up, right? Right, because we're all imperfect human beings, and so there's no such thing as a perfect church because there's no such thing as perfect people. However, however, in the New Testament church, God was defining some things, and it was literally like just a few months into this fledgling New Testament church. You remember what happened? Uh, Jesus had predicted that the Holy Spirit would come, and, and rest upon his people and live inside of them that he would be uh, the representative of Christ inside of human beings, that he would give them knowledge of how to function and how to walk and how to serve. And, and then, then the Holy Spirit shows up after Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit descends, right, on the day of Pentecost. And now these New Testament believers, uh, the, the apostle Peter walks out and describes Jesus to all these that are listening in, and the Bible says that 3,000 people were saved. Can you imagine a church going from zero to 3,000 in just one day? The Bible says, and they were baptized too, so they were dunking 3,000 people. And, and, and so this is the beginning of a New Testament church. Everybody's excited. The church is multiplying. It's successful, and then a problem arises. Here is the problem. Again, I'm going to read it. It's not in your notes, but it's Acts chapter 6, verse 1 says this. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, some believed that it could have been upwards of 100,000 by this point, that it was exponential growth. A complaint or murmuring by the Hellenists, the Greek-speaking believers, arose against the Hebrews or the Hebrew-speaking believers. So everybody say it's the Hellenists versus the Hebrews. Okay, now by the way, I'm going to have you repeat a lot today. Anytime I go through the scripture, I'm going to have you repeat it because when you verbalize something, you hear yourself say it, it gets deeper into your spirit. So, so it's the Hellenists versus the Hebrews. This is like... Uh, bigger, a bigger game than Auburn versus Alabama because in the end, this one actually means something, okay? Oh, that just deadened the room right there. It says because, here's the reason, because their widows were being neglected or other translations say discriminated against in their daily distribution of food. Now, verse three, here's the answer they came up with with the problem. Here's their solution Chapter 6 of the book of Acts, verse 3. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute or of a good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty of serving and waiting on tables. But 
we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Verse 5. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen. Everybody say Stephen. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Let's just stop right there and let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity we get to represent you. Lord, help us to represent you well. To be men and women of faith that are God-honoring. And Lord, that reflect your Holy Spirit. That we become the hands of Christ extended to a lost and hurting world in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many know we're all leading somebody somewhere? (laughs) Whether we like it or not, whether we know it or not, people are watching and we are leading people either toward God or away from God by our example, by our actions, by our attitudes, by our behavior. People are watching you. And especially when you say you're a Christian, people are watching. In Acts chapter 6, All of a sudden, they outlined this new problem that they're having, and it just so happens to be a racial and religious issue, right? Somebody who talked different, someone who grew up in a different location, different culture. And now, they say that there's discrimination happening inside the church. How many know God created us diversely? I thank God for the way he used the brush strokes of color and uniqueness in cultural, socioeconomic backgrounds to give us the uniqueness of distinction in the local fellowship, the body of believers. But how many know we are one in Christ Jesus? In the middle of diversity there was supposed to be unity and it was not being properly reflected. God made all mankind to commune with him and with one another in the body of Christ. And here is this discrimination hurdle that they're supposed to jump over. And if they don't do it right, they're going to wound people and affect the rest of the history of the New Testament church. And and the problem was is they were going to leave a bad taste in the mouth of the unbeliever who watches this and say, well, if y'all can't even get your stuff straight, which is still to this day what's happening, how many people have left the church, and I'm not talking about this church, but the church as a whole worldwide, because someone hurt them, someone offended them, someone mistreated them, someone said something mean or rude or obnoxious. And it, it boggles my mind when people leave the imperfect church to go into the very imperfect world. Because how many understand? Listen, I, I don't mean to be rude or obnoxious. I, I'm saying this because there are people that are in the church that are going to hurt you, that are going to wound you. I'm not saying they would do it intentionally. And if they do, they need to be corrected biblically. But friends, there's no wound like the wound of a friend. There's no wound like the wound in a church. Especially when someone's supposed to be a a, a godly or God-fearing leader. Look, it's one thing if a godly leader does something stupid. Now look, that's offensive and frustrating, but it's, it's no reason to walk away from the things of God because they were imperfect. But when they do something to you, 
to wound you or to affect you. And let me just stop and say this because I feel strongly in my spirit that I need to and maybe there are many that are hurt in this room or if it's just one that's been wounded or hurt by a minister, a pastor, a leader, someone who uh, pronounced uh, over themselves that they were a Christian, a godly person and they did it wrong. On behalf of anyone who wounded you or offended you or hurt you, can I just say on behalf of all leaders, I am sorry. Please forgive us. And I don't know of any specific one that had something against me. I'm speaking on behalf of any leader, anyone that stood in a place of godly authority who wounded or hurt you. Please, please forgive us. And listen, friends, forgiveness is not about letting someone off the hook for doing something wrong. Forgiveness is unlocking the jail cell that you are in, that you're holding yourself captive, but you hold the key. So when I say forgive or forgiveness, some people misunderstand or misinterpret that that means somehow that that, that person deserves or even asked for forgiveness. How many of you know, most of the time, people that are a jerk doesn't, don't ask for forgiveness. They don't. But that's not why we forgive. We forgive to release out of our spirit that thing to God to let them, the Bible says, and God says, hey, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Let me, let me take the proper action, but you release it. Release it to me. That's what he says. But how many leaders and churches have mistreated people, but they're supposed to bless people. And so today, I I don't want you to get your eyes on other people. I want you to get your eyes on Jesus. And listen, friend, if Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, why are you doing it? I, I, I feel like I need to stop and just pause, just take that pause for a moment. Jesus said, I did not come into this world to condemn the world, but to save it. So if he didn't come to condemn the world, why are you? I'm not saying you can't uh, have uh, a, a biblical moral standard and when you see people falling beneath that standard as a believer that you ought not have the opportunity to correct them. I, I'm not saying that. That would, be, that would be godly. That would be biblical. Not throwing stuff on social media and showing, throwing shade on people. But can I say, if ungodly people fall beneath the godly standard, how many of you know that's expected? There's no place for condemnation. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we already live with enough guilt when we do things wrong. Come on, somebody. And the fact is, part of the reason that some are not in church today is because they feel like if they came back to church, if they walked into a church, they would immediately feel judged. And they say, I don't want to deal with that. Somebody's going to look at me wrong. Somebody's going to look sideways at me. And it's just not worth it. Friends, it is worth it because this is a place of love and encouragement. And listen, friends, I I can just tell you, I know this house and I know this room. And yes, I understand that maybe some of us at certain moments have had weak moments. But friends, in, in this house, I want you to know it is level, a level playing field at the foot of the cross. We all come humbly because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Are you see, hearing what I'm saying? And so it's a place where we welcome people. And, and listen, I, I just, again, I feel, like I'm, I feel like I got a few things that aren't in the notes. And so uh, let me take just another moment to say this.
If you see somebody who hasn't been in church for a while, the very last thing you should say, well, I guess we hadn't seen you in a long time. I guess you, should, you, you, you showing up, I, 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 don't, I don't know why you're here. That's the last thing you need. Matter of fact, if anything, hey, it is so good to see you, man. I'm glad that you are here. It's so good to see you. I missed you. It's awesome to see you. Come sit with me. I would love that. Now, again, I, I don't sense that I'm bringing correction. I feel like I'm just bringing encouraging teaching to help you, right? To, to let you know what could be the right thing to say. Because there's too many wounds, spiritual wounds in church. How many know we can all misrepresent the Lord now and again? Come on, three of you, good. Let's try that again. All of us on the same playing field knowing that we've all done this before. How many know we can all misrepresent the Lord now and again, right? With our self-centeredness or our selfishness or uh, our misguided attempt when we talk about people or we talk poorly or we look down on someone else. Christians ought to be a good reflection of Jesus, right? Like you're looking in a mirror. We ought to reflect Christ that when people see us, they see Jesus. And how many know a mirror just shows what's already there, right? If I'm looking into that mirror, what's here is here. And even if I don't like it, it's here. And I need to deal with it and address it. Come on, if there's something in my nose, I, somebody better love me enough to take care of business, right? If something's, if something's cockeyed, something's not looking right, I mean, I'd say if, if, I need, if my hair was messed up, but you know, I mean, there's not much <laughs> that can be done in that department. But what's there is there. Don't get mad at the mirror when it tells you what's truly there. And don't get mad at the mirror when you begin to read it and it shows things about your character and nature that don't line up with it. That's just another way we need to humble ourselves and let Jesus teach us. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to teach you about me. And then he said, now pick seven people, seven from among you reflecting me, those who are supposed to reflect Christ, who walk the walk, who have been put to the test there's a lot of people that have a lot of Bible knowledge, but not many that know how to apply it and live it in love. Look, I, I'm just saying, deep theology is important to me and it's extremely significant, but you can have more degrees than a thermometer and still don't know how to love people and I am not impressed by you. I'm just saying, I'm not impressed. This book is livable. It's life-changing, it's life-altering, and if we can live it as Christians, we'll be able to change the world in front of us. God's saying, will you be my representative on the earth? Friends, welcome to the house of representatives, and you didn't even know you were up for election. How many know the Bible says you have been elected to an office to represent Christ? So they picked out Stephen, he was a good reflection of Jesus. Acts chapter 6 verse 8 says it like this, Stephen, a man full of God's grace, everybody say full of God's grace, full of God's grace and power, he performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Faith and grace in this scripture go hand in hand. If you have great faith, that's wonderful. 
You're a powerful person in Christ. But if you don't have grace, you're missing out on being a representative of Christ. He says, grace and faith go together. And then the Bible says that signs and wonders follow them that believe. Friends, if, if you don't have signs or wonders following you, I'm not just talking about miracle results. I'm talking about people that follow you, that look to you, that look up to you. If you don't have anybody looking up to you, you have gotten yourself too far down. God's working on our character because it's his nature to make us more like him. But I want you to know, God has a grace for every person in this room to lead others and not just the older ones. Thank God for those that are the older ones that are mature in the faith. But the Bible even says, don't, look, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Look, I, I want you to know, whether you're junior high or high schooler, God has a grace for you to lead your friends, your family, your coworkers, those that, of you in this room that have uh, bosses or coworkers that are just rude and obnoxious and nasty. God's given you a grace to lead others that are not like you, that are different from you. From the young married to those that are older in the faith, empty nesters, retirees, God's given you a grace, and it begins with how we conduct ourselves. It's our conduct. Here it is, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul said it like this, if I'm delayed, you'll know how believers must conduct themselves. Everybody say conduct themselves. How they ought to behave. He's saying even if, I, even if I'm delayed in showing up in person to model Christ for you, the other believers, they know how to model the love of Jesus Christ. It goes on to say it like this. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar of the foundation of the truth. And the problem was there was quarreling and backbiting and all kinds of problems that were creeping into the church. How many know God doesn't wink at murmuring and complaining and grumbling? <laughs> Just read the Old Testament and you'll find out, right? They didn't make it into the promised land because of murmuring and backbiting and arguing and grumbling. 1 Corinthians 10, 10 and 11 says it like this, do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings. Everybody say warnings. As warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. He's introducing a concept called kingdom etiquette, right? The protocols of the way we ought to function within the New Testament church. Etiquette, protocol, manners, acceptable behavior, rules of conduct, the way we conduct ourselves, decorum, courtesy, kindness, niceties, acting appropriately. Hebrews chapter 10 talks about it. It says this in verse 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to the acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect in the meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. If somebody treats you poorly, listen, don't get mad and leave church. I'm talking to you online too. If you're attending another church, don't just get mad and leave a place. Now, if the entire place is corrupted <laughs> from the inside out, that, that's, that's something different altogether. But I'm talking about if, if a person or a few people offend you, there is a biblical principle, a pattern in Scripture, Matthew 18, that talks about going to them handling it appropriately. And then there's steps you can take after that if that doesn't work. 
But the reason we come together weekly is not just so we can hang out and hear a few good songs and hear a few good parables. It's so that you can actively function as the body of Christ. And you know how you do that? How you act with one another. When you come into the building, don't think in your mind as you're on your way here, don't think in your mind, I hope the service is good or I hope the service is short or I, you know, I hope that they sing the songs that I like. No, according to this scripture, what you need to think about is think about the ways to motivate one another in acts of love and good deeds. On your way here, thinking about, you know what, I can't wait to get there so I can encourage somebody else, so I can support somebody else, so I can give them a smile and a handshake, a high five, a hug, whatever's appropriate. And some way, some form, some fashion, I want to represent Jesus to somebody else to motivate them toward the acts of love and good deeds. Friends, I I just want you to know, if you're waiting on an encouragement from somebody else, oftentimes you're going to be frustrated. If you're just waiting, I'm just going to wait till somebody else says something. And if somebody walks by you and doesn't say hi, oh, I'm offended now, brother. Let me tell you something right now. Listen, we Christians should be the hardest people to offend. Christians should be the hardest people to get offended. Why? Because we have been lavished with the grace of the almighty God who's forgiven every sin. How can we that have been given so much care so little? How can we as people who've been loved and forgiven so much love and forgive so little? God says to spur one another on, to encourage each other. So if you're waiting on encouragement, stop waiting and start giving. Because I can just tell you, every time I've given an encouragement to somebody else, I walk away encouraged whether they say something good to me or not. It's fulfilling to love God and to love people. To do something about that love, to practice. Put feet to your faith in your reflection of Christ The Holy Spirit's trying to train the church in grace. And as spiritual leaders, we're called to be grace-filled, people who know how to treat other people. 2 Corinthians 1 says it like this, verse 12. We can say with confidence, with a clear conscience, that we have lived with the God-given holiness and sincerity in all of our dealings. We have depended on God's grace. Everybody say God's grace. Not on our own human wisdom. How many know we're going to fail? In our own wisdom, in our own ways, we're going to fail people. It's like Jesus with the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery and all these people were gathered around ready to stone her as, of course, the, the law at that time permitted. And he said, okay, no problem. You who are without sin, go ahead. Cast the first stone. Let's see. Let's see which one of you is going to be brave enough, who's not been forgiven any, any sin whatsoever. Let's just see. And the Bible says they they dropped their rocks and left, beginning with the older ones. Why? Because the older ones should know the most how much they've been forgiven, right? The oldest among us. We know our lifetime. We know when we've made mistakes and we've done things wrong, how we've not conducted ourselves. Here it is. That is how we have conducted ourselves. Here's that kingdom conduct again. Before the world and especially towards you. Friends, these New Testament writers were writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to teach us that we are a love letter to others. God's written it on our hearts. We're a living love letter 
so people can read about Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 says it like this. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Everybody say become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric or uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Let me just tell you, that passage of scripture was the most difficult, the, mo- the craziest scripture in all the New Testament for those living in that day. In one scripture, in basically one sentence, he undoes all the thinking that was taking place at that time. He, he, he goes after the differences in people and shuts it all down. He says, you got national distinction? How many of you know uh, the, the Romans at that time that were overseeing? They had, they had pride, Roman pride, pride in there. It was uh, a national pride. And if you weren't a Roman, you were nothing. But how many of you know that slipped into the church too because those who were Jews looked at the Gentiles and non-Jews and said, hey, you're not a Jew, you're nothing. And we do it as Americans all the time. Friends, listen, I have pride in our nation. I love the United States of America. I think it's one of the greatest, if not the greatest nation in all the world. And not just because of the freedom that we have, but the way we've released the gospel to other nations through missionaries around the world. I thank God for every good thing that America has done and continues to do because of godly people in this nation. But can I just tell you, I am first a Christian before I'm an American. And I have to remember that it is not in me about national pride. It is more about kingdom pride. That even if my nation goes astray, I will still serve Christ. I'm a Christian first and foremost. Then he started to go after theological distinctions. Again, Maybe an odd thing to talk about in church, but it wasn't back then. Circumcised or uncircumcised. That was the Abraham covenant. The covenant of Abraham. This is one of the most significant things. As a matter of fact, there was so much controversy over it. The entire New Testament church had to gather together. All of the leaders from around that region had to come together to talk about and figure out what they were going to do about the covenant of Abraham. And now these Gentile believers were being called in and saying yes to Jesus, and they didn't know what to do with them. I mean, I don't know how many kids are in the room, so I'll try to be cautious and careful about the way I say this, but can I just tell you, if you came down to this altar, made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, and you were brought back to a room somewhere, and you thought you were going to be taught about the Word of God and how you could function as Jesus' ambassador, and we looked at you and said, well, are you circumcised or uncircumcised? Because this is going to be an awkward conversation. And that's what was happening. That was, I know, a very awkward thing to say, but this is, this is the word of God, my friends. <laughs> this is the weirdness that was happening. Cultural distinctions. Anyone who wasn't from the Greek culture was considered uncivilized or barbaric. He's like, look, whether you are cultured or buck wild, <laughs> you're still a member of the kingdom of God. If you're prim and proper, or you're a redneck, whatever it is, Alabama or Auburn fan, you are in the kingdom of God, right? Economic and social distinctions. He said slave or free. That was a big deal back then and it still is to this day. 
And he said, no matter what category you happen to fit in, wherever your life circumstances brought you, you are equal at the foot of the cross. He even goes after in Galatians 3 the distinctions of the issues of sexism. He says, whether male or female, which God defined, by the way, and I don't have the authority to undo God's definitions. But he said, I'm going to do away with all sexism issues that, that uh, you know, a, a woman or a man that just because of your gender, you lord over someone else. He says, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. So he begins to talk about this new creation, this new self. Let's keep reading in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 17. Here it is. Since God chose you to be holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourself. Everybody say, clothe clothe yourself. With tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who has offended you. Let me say that again. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offended you. Remember, the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. The Bible goes on to say in other chapters and other verses that with the same measure you use to forgive, that same measure will be given back to you. If you give out just a teaspoon of forgiveness, God says, are you done with that teaspoon? Good, because I'm going to use the teaspoon that you took to forgive others and use that amount to pour out on you in forgiveness. If you use a ladle of forgiveness over some, God says, give me that ladle. I'm going to use that to pour over forgiveness on you. Lord, give me buckets of forgiveness to give away. Above all, here it says, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And whatever you do or say, do it, here it is again, as a representative, everybody say representative, not of yourself, not just as an American citizen, not as a male or a female, not as a slave or a free person, but as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, when you function and operate in this world, you're not just representing your family name or your family line or your lineage and legacy. You're representing the Lord. Let me quickly give you four qualities of a godly leader. It's almost like uh, they're here in this passage, God is motivating us like a coach in the fourth quarter as he says, here's how a godly leader ought to function, and each of us ought to be godly leaders in the way that we function. Here it is, four qualities of a godly leader. First of all is God's grace. You need to function in God's grace. Never forget that God gave you grace and that you ought to give others grace. Even when you didn't earn it or deserve it, God gave it. Therefore, even when they didn't earn it or deserve it, you give it. Secondly is God's holiness. Friends, never forget that God has set you apart. You are chosen. You've been elected to represent him well. This isn't in your notes, but in 1 Corinthians 6, it says it like this. Because we've trusted Christ, we've been set apart from, uh, from the world unto the Lord. Not, we are not our own. We belong completely to him. Number three, God's forgiveness. Friends, never forget that God forgave you completely, unconditionally, not conditionally or partially, but unconditionally. How much do you forgive others? Let's keep going. Number, number four, we need to function in God's love. Never forget God loves you with an everlasting 
love. You were chosen by God and loved by God and forgiven by God to represent God. Now, here's what happens uh, uh, in the book of Acts. Stephen, this godly man, was falsely accused. And, and he, he was living his life righteously and still he had persecution, which by the way, you need to understand when you function in godliness, it doesn't mean that everybody's just gonna like you. When you function in righteousness, even when you function in love, even when you try to love somebody unconditionally, you still might be persecuted. And Stephen is falsely accused. Here's what it says, Acts chapter six, verse 15. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen And they saw that his face, listen, was like the face of an angel when he was being falsely accused. And he was about to be killed. The Bible says his face shone like an angel. And if you ever have had issues with reading the entire Old Testament from cover to cover, look, I want to give you the cliff notes, okay? You know what, anybody know what the cliff notes are? All right. The Bible for dummies, I don't know what, what your version is, right? The, the shortened version, one of the best versions is in Acts chapter 7. If you read the book of Acts chapter 7, you'll hear Stephen's response that basically takes you from Genesis all the way through to that very moment. And, and it weaves the pattern of understanding. So Acts chapter 7 is a great place to go if you ever have questions about the Old Testament, how it fits with the New Testament. But about two years ago, I I shared a message called, I Love What You're Wearing, and it outlines these particular passages of Scripture in the book of Colossians chapter 3. Because how many of you know, you need an infinite amount of wisdom to deal with your eccentric relatives, right? (laughs) I mean, it's one thing to deal with people on the job, but when crazy Uncle Billy comes around and eccentric Aunt Matilda comes around. You, you need God's grace, okay? I want to invite the worship team to come back up as we prepare to close out. Eight graces of a godly, godly leader that we should clothe ourselves with. And, and by the way, most of you know this, but I, I, I choose to lay my clothes out at night, the night before. You may say that's crazy. Uh, I even lay out what I'm going to eat the next morning uh, because I want to wake up on purpose. I don't want to wake up on accident and stumble into the day. I want to wake up with purpose, knowing where I'm going and what I'm doing. The last thing I want to wonder about is, do I have socks? Where did those shoes go that I knew that I was going to wear? And and then you you end up with a frantic day instead of a planned day. Just out of curiosity, and you don't have to do this. It doesn't make you special. But how many of you actually lay out clothes the night before? Put up your hands. How many of you? A couple of you. How many choose not to do that? Okay. All right. And most of you don't do anything. So thank God you're wearing clothes today because you don't wear, you don't put them out the night before and you don't put them out. I don't know. Anyway. How many of you don't like to raise your hand? Put up your hands. Okay. (laughs) But in that message a couple years ago, a little more than a couple years ago, I shared with you and I actually put on the clothes that it talked about in these passages. But how many understand, if you didn't wake up this morning and decide to put on love, you probably won't wear it well. You're not going to stumble into kindness accidentally, especially when somebody cuts you off on the road or says something offensive or bothersome. You got to lay out the clothes. So what do we do? We start by laying out the night before. We say, you know what? 
I'm going to live with compassion. I'm going to function with compassion, to have mercy, to exercise pity, with the, to feel with the feelings of others. Compassion with feeling that we feel with tender-hearted mercy. We, we say, okay, I can get away with that, but I don't want to, I don't want to put out kindness. <laughs> this doesn't match the majority of my outfits, okay? <laughs> For some of you, you just, you just not as kind as you should be. I'm just talking about being nice. This isn't rocket science. This doesn't even, look, this doesn't even have to represent biblical principle. This is just the way humans ought to live. And yet we stumble through it and we struggle with laying out the night before that we're gonna walk in kindness. Friends, you've been saved by the kindness and mercy of God. We don't need to treat others harshly put on humility friends I don't like this either because this society loves cockiness <laughs> right we, we like people with a, a little swagger in their step we, we kind of like it as a matter of fact you want to go viral go off on somebody and let somebody record it that's what goes viral being kind and, and humble you're not going to get any likes I'm just saying. We like it when people go off on others. But friends, humility is thinking of others first, and that's what God did with us. You lay that out the night before, and you say, God, I want to do that. I want to live that way. Gentleness. Let's just set that aside and walk away, because I don't even want to talk about being, <laughs> being gentle. Friends, the overlap is, is the word meekness which is not weakness, it's strength. It would be like rain and wind. Rain can be a downpour, torrential downpour that can actually like hit you so hard that it hurts. Big droplets, rain, too much of it can cause a flood. Or it can be a gentle pitter-patter. It's the one thing that doctors recommend you listen to to fall asleep. Why? Because the pitter-patter of the rain is gentle. Meekness is strength under cover. It's velvet-covered steel. It doesn't mean you're weak. It means that you have strength underneath there, just like the wind, right? The wind can be a gentle breeze or it can be something that blows houses down. Next, we lay out patience the night before. We say, you know what? I'm gonna be patient with my spouse. I'm gonna be patient with my kids. I'm gonna be patient with my friends. I'm gonna be patient with my family. I'm gonna be patient with those that are at work. I promise God, I'm laying out patience. I want to walk with integrity. I'm gonna be patient, long-suffering. The Greek word makrothumis, it's to hold back temper. It's to have literally a long fuse, not a short fuse. And so many of you know, my, in my pyromania, I love to light fireworks. And if I see a fuse, a wick that, it, the, you know, it hasn't, the, the firework hasn't gone off yet, I will pick up that firework because I want to be a good steward. And I will light that wick, even if it's a short fuse. And what happens? It blows up right in my face. It just, boom. 
<laughs> that sound, you know what I'm talking about when something explodes right near your head? Stupid! <laughs> and it's no different than the way you go off on your family, on your coworkers, on, your, on the people you call your friends, the people you're supposed to love the most, you treat the worst. You gotta lay out patience the night before. You gotta lay out forbearance. Bearing with others, bearing up with another, to put up with, to, enduff, to, to endure or suffer with. My mom used to say it like this, there's certain people that get on my last nerve. And I didn't know what she meant by that until I got to be her age. I had a root canal done because there was, I, I found my last nerve and, I, and it was a root and the root was so stinking small, there wasn't a way that I could even see it that I had to go in to have the procedure to have a special doctor to take care of those roots because it affected my entire body just by that small nerve. And friends, are you the type of person that gets on everybody else's last nerve? They're just too nice to tell you. And then these last two are the most important. We lay out forgiveness the night before. We say, God, you know what? If somebody hurts me, if somebody bothers me, if somebody offends me, I'm still going to forgive. I choose to forgive. And the last one is love. Friends, love wraps them all together. It's matter of fact, it's the, the first fruit of the fruits of the Spirit. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure this is the fruit of the loom. Anyway, just, <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, that was pretty good if I do say so myself. <laughs> We wrap it all up with love. Why? Because he first loved us. Love covers everything you do. When they look at you, they ought to see love and you lay it out the night before and you say, matter of fact, I look in the mirror and I say, you know what? All that stuff looks pretty good on me. And you know what? It looks really good on you too. The fruit of the spirit is the most attractive thing you can function in. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you know people like that? Even if they don't function in godliness in other ways, those fruit, they, they attract others. Why? Because it's born out of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You can't function without love in an unloving world, right? You, in your own way, your own mentality, you can't function in humility. Any of these, kindness, compassion, you can't function in any of them without the help of the Holy Spirit. So let's pray that God gives us his Holy Spirit to learn the graces of a godly leader. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word that doesn't return void. Teach us to live a layered life where we trust you. God, you know the environment that we're living in today, this environment in our world. God, and you know we need to live a layered life. You know what we're supposed to clothe ourselves with in order to survive. So God, teach us how to lay these things out the night before and say, Lord, before I even wake up, before I get out of bed, help me to live a layered life. 
putting on and clothing myself with the things of God. If you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, there may be some in this room you'd say, Mark, I need Jesus to come into my life. I need to make him Lord and Savior of every area of my life. And maybe for some of you, it may be a first-time decision. Maybe there's sin that's separating you from God, and you'd say, Mark, I need to come to the Lord, and I need to make him Savior over every area. For others of you, you need forgiveness in other ways. Maybe you've been a believer, but you've walked away from the things of God. You've come back to the church, and now it's time to make a decision to trust the Lord with every area of your life. For some of you, you may be seasoned saints in this room. But friends, how many of you know one of the worst seasonings you can have is saltiness? You don't want to be a salty saint. You want to be tasteful. That when others are connected to you, they don't see grumpiness or complaining or murmuring. Let it never be said about you, especially those that are older, seasoned saints in this room. May they never say that you're sour, but rather that you're sweet. May it never be said of you or that you might be known as the person that always complains, but rather that you're always the one that has an encouraging word. So if you fit into any one of those categories, whether a first-time decision for the Lord or maybe you've known the Lord for a very long time, but you say, Mark, include me in this closing prayer. I need to have Jesus over every area of my life. I want you to slip up your hand, acknowledging by the uplifted hand, Mark, that's me. Include me in this prayer right now. Come on, all over this place. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, in the balcony, in the main floor, I'm just scanning just slip up your hand raised by that raised hand all you're doing is saying Mark I need this today yeah include me in this prayer God bless you God bless you God bless you anybody else yeah God bless you God bless you you can put your hands down I want to lead you in this prayer you acknowledging that is very important you'd say Mark if you're going to include me in a prayer anyway why not just keep my hand down the reason that you do it is you're acknowledging not before me but before God That's the reason. It's you're making a willful decision. By raising the hand, it's kind of like you're setting out the clothes the night before. You're saying, God, I'm choosing to walk in this. I'm choosing to walk in kindness and forgiveness and grace. Anyone else before I close this time? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I want to lead you in this prayer, and then we're going to go into a time of worship. Everyone in this room, but especially you who lifted your hands and those watching online, I want you to say this prayer out loud after me. Can you say this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can reflect Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you just put your hands together and celebrate those who made a decision today for Christ? Come on. We honor you. We're behind you 100%. And I want you to know that we're here to help you in your journey of faith. 
As a matter of fact, if you'll do us a favor, if you prayed that prayer, whether you raised your hand or not, you say, man, that's me, and I, I want to walk in that willful decision to choose to trust the Lord with every area, I'm gonna invite you to take out your smartphone and if you can text the words D1WALK to the number 84576, what that's gonna do, it's simply gonna give you a a quick uh, response with a downloadable copy of this booklet called One to One and it's gonna help you in your journey of faith. It's an electronic version we're gonna give you. So we just wanna help you in the journey of faith. So I invite you to do that as a next step to just as an encouragement to say, God, I I want a little more. I want to know how to function in the things of God. Well, friends, here's what I'm going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to invite our worship team to continue to lead us as we prepare to go into singing and time of song. But it's really reflective. And I'm going to leave these shirts on the stage because I want you to reflect on those areas. Each one of us, there's one or two of these we'd say, man, this one stands out the most. I I wear this shirt the least. And I want us to worship the king in, in a reminder of what he's done for us. And we've got our elders that are here and prayer partners that are here for you. I'm gonna invite you to go ahead, if you would, and go to our various stations of prayer today. They'll be in the back near this exit sign, the back near that exit sign, and up here in the balcony. Again, you won't even need to leave the balcony to receive prayer today. You can just go to any one of these elders or prayer partners, and they would be delighted to pray with you. If you've got a physical need, or you need to stand in for a family member or friend or loved one, If you've got some issues with relationships, friends, they'll be there to help you and pray with you. If you need a touch from the Lord, I want you to know God's here today. His divine power is here today to miraculously intercept you from wherever you're at, God's here. And he wants to give you everything in life and in godliness. That's what the Bible says, to give you new life those elders are there for you. Would you stand up, all of us across the room today? And again, you can slip out from where you're at and receive prayer from these elders, your elders and prayer partners. And let's worship the King in reflection of what he's done for us.
song when my kids were little. It was one of the songs that I used to sing them to fall asleep when they were babies and when they got a little older and they became afraid because of the wind and the rain and maybe thunderstorm or something. I would just sing that over them to kind of calm them down. And I want you to know that today God sings that over you. That no matter what situation you're in, no matter what the reports have said, no matter what the economy says, no matter, no, no matter what the news says, friends, Jesus is here to comfort. He's here to bring you life, encouragement, hope, freedom, and forgiveness. And friends, my heart would be this, that <clears throat> when the whole world is shouting panic, that you can have peace. And I want to pray that over you now. One of my favorite scriptures, that the peace of God would rest on you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for each one in this house today who may have come in burdened and heavy with things that have challenged them, or frustrations that overwhelm them. But today I pray the peace of God that passes human understanding to guard each heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare, you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you that you might give that love away to as many as humanly possible. I bless you to be a blessing to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to this city, to this region and this world. But mostly I bless you to be a blessing to those in the household of faith and to your, the, your, your uh, deep and dear friends, your family members. I bless you to be a blessing to your spouse, to your kids and your grandkids. I bless you to live in the blessing of God and to distribute it to as many as humanly possible. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Friends, we love you and so thankful that you chose to worship God with us here today. I want to let you know, for those who are first-time guests in the house, if you'll do us this favor, some of our leadership team is already waiting at the cafe tables right out in the, the foyer. If you'll just connect with them, let them know it's your first time. They'll be glad to connect with you and give you a gift for hanging out with us. God bless you. You're dismissed.